Welcome to As Luck Would Have It. My name is Deepa and I'm on the church council here at Leichhardt Uniting. We are a church based on Gadigal and Wangal land here in Sydney, Australia. You'll find us at Leichhardt Uniting Church, Luck on Facebook. Sermons are on YouTube under the same name and you can find more information about our church and our team at leichhardtuniting.org.au. In this episode of As Luck Would Have It, Reverend Radhika Sukumar White is preaching about Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. This is part three of a six-part series originally preached for Lent 2022 on biblical women calling us to repentance. I will re be reading from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 from the New Revised Standard Version. There was a certain man of Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elohu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penana and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him to the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. She left, she left him there for the Lord. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. 
the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Thus ends the reading. Please enjoy the following sermon. So Hannah did to me what Hagar did to me last year in Lent, if you were here then. I had some Sunday school preconceptions about Hannah's character and story and then found myself profoundly moved and challenged by who she was and what she did. So I knew that Hannah was the mother of Samuel, that she was barren until she wasn't, that she sang something like a prequel to Mary's Magnificat and that she gave her her baby to the temple as she promised God, which was weird but I didn't think much of it. And then I explored today's reading in preparation for today, and I found myself not just moved by her, but so profoundly identifying with her. Hannah lived in a time and a culture where a woman's worth was found only in her ability to bear children, preferably sons. And she was unable to. Obviously, it doesn't matter if the fertility issues were hers or her husband's. It was her fault, her shame entirely. It was an easy button for Hannah's sister wife, Peninnah, to push mercilessly because not only was it Hannah's external worth that was suffering because she was barren, but her own internal sense of worth and worthiness as a woman. If she could not be a mother, she was less of a woman, less of a human even. I get that. So, as the story goes, she goes to the temple, prays fervently, is accused of being drunk, which I read as kind of a man saying she's hysterical and a nuisance, where a man would be lauded for passion in the same way. And then she is assured by the priest that God has heard her. In time, her womb is opened and she conceives her son, Samuel. And she's so grateful for this miracle, this uh, fulfilled promise that she gives that child that she so longed for back to the temple and breaks into song. What a lovely, happy, hallmark kind of ending. Honestly, if I had it my way, I'd have preferred it if Hannah remained infertile, but reconciled her self-worth outside of parenthood. But instead, the Bible gives us today's story, this happy, neat ask and it shall be given miracle that of course has been used through the church's history not to empower women but to chastise infertile women as not praying hard enough not having enough faith if it happened to hannah it could happen to you if only you prayed harder but hannah's happy ending is not everyone's story Ask and you shall receive exactly what you asked for is an illusion that the Bible seems to promote with stories like Sarah and Elizabeth and Solomon and, yes, Hannah. But these are stories of miracles. It took Adrian and I years before we conceived and gave birth to Anna. We tried for another few years for another child. And, yes, I prayed fervently through all through that time but it could not happen for us. Did God not hear me? 
Was my faith not enough? Don't get me wrong, I love my family and I am so grateful to, for Anna. My love for her is beyond words and being her mother is a great joy for me. But like Hannah in the first part of today's story, I had this period where I was feeling worthless as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, and even as your minister for not being able to produce another child, another bundle of joy. I felt and still sometimes feel such shame at letting Adrian down and letting Anna down. I know it's illogical, but it's still so real for me. My sense of worth was and sometimes still is tied up in being a mother. But factors out of our control have meant that this is the size of my biological family. Two weeks ago, Eve called us to repent of systemic misogyny. And last week, Deborah called us to repent from underestimating women in general. What might Hannah be calling us to repent from today? Perhaps it is somehow tied into notions of self-worth and worthiness, both internal and external, and internal and external shame too. And I have no doubt in my mind that this plagues every one of us regardless of gender. Where does your sense of external worth come from, my friends? What aspects define you, make you cool? What do our cultures, Australian, Sydney, generational cultures, queer culture, Christian culture, uniting church culture, what do those cultures say about which bodies and which traits are more worthy than others? Think about the ways that you present yourself to the world the clothes you wear, the hair you style, your personality traits, your senses of humour, intelligence, your colloquialisms, the choices around who you interact with and therefore don't interact with. All of these, at least in some way, seek the approval, the stamp of worthiness from other people. And that's why bullying around all of those things uncool clothes or uncool hair, being unattractive, having a disability, having awkward social mannerisms, having neurodivergence, being out of touch with youth culture, uh, being out of the world of social media, being too smart, being not smart enough, not picking up on inside jokes, all of these things are really easy to bully, like Penina bullied because they strike at the heart of external worth. Bullying is so pervasive and is still so pervasive today, even in young children, because it says you are not worthy to exist, or at least you are not worthy to be in my field of vision. The concept of bullying is all about denying worth or even actively dismantling worth. Cultures also move the the goalposts all the time around what it means, what it takes to be seen as a particular thing. And this is, of course, of particular pain and tension for those who do not identify within the gender binary, 
or who are transgender or for whatever other reason don't fit easily in cultural moulds. So what, do, what does our culture say today about what makes a woman a woman? Is it genitalia? Is it the ability to bear children? Breasts and hips? Long hair in some places, no hair in others? Is it particular clothes? Is it some concept of femininity, whatever that might mean? What are the goalposts that make someone queer enough to be part of the queer community? And the Uniting Church uses the term CALD, culturally and linguistically diverse, to describe effectively non-white people or BIPOC people. I am, as you are aware, a person of colour, but I am not bilingual. I don't speak another language fluently. So am I not CALD? And the list goes on. And the great blessing as we grow in understanding of gender diversity and sexual diversity and cultural diversity and neurodiversity and more is that we are all invited to reevaluate those goalposts all the time, continuously, and to have the space that we all need to break unwritten rules. Now, alongside but not separate from the external worth factors are internal worth factors. Where does your inner sense of worth come from? What do you love or are proud of about yourself? And conversely, what are you ashamed of in yourself? How would you define yourself to someone who has never met you before? What words would you use? Would you start with your demographic factors like your age, gender, cultural background, sexuality and job? Would you define yourself by your faith? Or would you maybe shy away from that? Would you define yourself by your pronouns? By your passions? By your fears? And some things that are connected to worth are within your control, but some are very much not. And so today, Hannah poses to us all how do we collectively work towards a culture where worth is equitable, beyond factors that are out of our control, beyond cultural expectations, and even beyond internal expectations? Can you, within yourself, and can we all, work towards a culture where your worth is less tied up in your abilities and your inabilities, your physical form, but is simply inherent in you being a child of God. Today's sermon is a sermon with a lot more questions than answers, and I wish I could offer more answers this week, but I really can't. Because I'm still figuring out this worth stuff myself. But there is one concrete thing that I want to point out in today's story of Hannah. When Hannah's sense of self-worth increased as she was given the gift of a child, her capacity radically increased too. Somehow, Hannah was able to find it in herself to fulfill the promise she had made to God in a prayer of utter desperation, to give her child that she so longed for to the temple for life. I cannot even comprehend doing such a thing. 
And obviously there are cultural elements at play here that make Hannah giving her child to the temple a done thing. But the point is, when Hannah found more of a sense of worth in herself, then her capacity for courage and sacrifice and faith radically increased. I mean, she gave her child away and then she sang a song of faith and joy. And that's why this worth stuff matters. That's where the rubber hits the road. Doing the work of deconstructing external worth goalposts and finding ways to rest in the knowledge that you are enough just as you are will affect your capacity to do the seemingly impossible. But now I find myself wondering. I mentioned earlier that I would have preferred it if Hannah remained infertile in her story but found her sense of worth outside of motherhood. Now I wonder, maybe that's actually what happened. That yes, she did bear a child, but perhaps she recognised that as much as God is obviously present in a child, God is also devastatingly present in a barren womb and an empty bassinet. So maybe today's story isn't so much about the miracle of fertility and external worthiness in being a mother, but about Hannah's growth in faith, in recognition that God is always present, ever present, abundantly present, even in the valley of the shadow of infertility and bullying and desperation and loss. And maybe, like Hannah's song precedes Mary's Magnificat song, Hannah's offering of her son echoes God's own offering of Jesus, even unto death on a cross. Maybe Hannah's story calls us to remember who and whose we truly are. May we follow her example. Amen. Thank you for listening to Reverend Radica's sermon. If you would like to continue reflecting, journaling or praying, here are some questions for further reflection. They will also be in the show notes. What do you feel moved to confess? Where do you seek the stamp of approval, the stamp of worthiness of others? Where do you see your own worth? What bodies or traits do we see as more worthy than others today? Thank you once again for listening to this episode of As Luck Would Have It. We would love it if you could like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. Signing off, have a great day.